Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Stay tuned with the two, two O's. See? We will begin in mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. It is now time for us to put Earth under our roof. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that you will give you witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message to bring your people. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Five by Saturday night. Welcome to yet again another Area 51 recording of Sci-Fi Saturday Night, the only podcast to guarantee that if you listen, you get to, well, you get to hear stuff. Uh, this week in episode 488, <laughs> you know, why, Cam, why, why do I laugh every time I hit that number? I don't understand that, but it's like every time I hit the episode number, I'm laughing now. Why, why is that happening? Um, I, it might have something to do with the subliminal programming I've been doing while you're asleep, or it just maybe just amuses you that you're getting closer and closer to 500. It's, it's, it's an amusing number. It's a ridiculously amusing number. Um, yeah, it's, I don't know. Um, oh, I spent the weekend with, uh, um, uh, and, uh, and the ever popular Kriana this this weekend, and and actually and and also uh, and also yes, all of them. It was wonderful. Oh, good, good, good. And they all said hi, and they're never doing the show again. So, <laughs> but they all said to say hi to you. Aww. Well, tell them I said hi back. And uh, yeah, it was it was it was a wonderful, a wonderful uh, Sunday afternoon. Uh, it was a broiling Sunday afternoon uh, in the upper 90s, and I refused to let them come in the house, so uh, they couldn't be air conditioned. So there was that. But uh, anyhow, Captain Camp, things are going well with you, I assume. Oh yes, perfectly well. Um, perfectly well. There you go. We got that out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Things are things are well here in Area 51, and uh, things are. Yeah, we're we're moving down to that uh, 500th episode, and uh, still not sure what that what that's going to look like. But that's yeah, very. Well, seems like oh, it's an sure. odd it's an audio podcast. It's not going to look like anything. More importantly, right. what it's going to sound like. What it's going to sound like. I hope you're happy now. Yeah. I'm, I'm ecstatic. Sure. I don't know. I, I don't know what it's going to sound like. I, You know, we could do a whole bunch of different things. Or we could do absolutely nothing and just pretend it's just another show. Uh, or we could have like one special guest on. I don't know. I don't know. We, we could do that thoughts oh i thought i thought you were you you were you were pontificating and there's no, going to be no. some some 
Okay. I clearly have no freaking idea at this point. All right. So, you know, if, if anybody out there has any ideas, uh, go to the website uh, and uh, shoot us an email and tell me to shut the hell up or uh, give me an idea. <laughs> One or the other. Tonight, or, uh, we have... Go ahead. Uh, uh, nope, I was good. just about to say, or just get to the guest. Which is <laughs> what I was doing when you interrupted me. Exactly. So there you go. Nice, You're all set. Nice job. You're you know, welcome. it's always nice to be interrupted in the middle of doing my job by somebody who's a sidekick. My Ed <laughs> McMahon. Nice job, Ed. Uh, not that anybody who's listening to this show is old enough to remember who the hell Ed McMahon is, but that's okay. Is he the guy that gives away the million dollars? I'll shut up. On Star Search. Yes. Nice job. <laughs> anybody who remembers what Star Search was? Can, can we just play five minutes worth of, does anybody remember what? No, let's not. That's not Anyhow, uh, hopefully somebody remembers Jenna Green because she was on about a year ago to talk about the first book in her Reborn Marx series, which was Reborn. And she's on to talk about her second book in the series, which is Jenna Green. The name of the second book of the Reborn series, which is? Uh, it's called Renew. It has that same re at the beginning of it. Jenna, welcome back to Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Thanks for having me. Well, I told you when we finished the first book, we talked about it when the second book came out, which oddly enough, when we were recording this, the second book came out yesterday. It did. Uh, yeah, and uh, we read it last week. You were kind enough to send us a copy before the book came out. Uh, and we read it, and uh, it takes up the literally like the day after the first book ended or close enough uh really interestingly so guys you have to read the first book to get into the day after it for the second book can't tell you can't really stress that one enough so let's talk a little bit about where the first book ends and the second book picks up sure um so in the first book They've uh, reached a a level of safety. Um, and, you know, if you read the first book, you think, okay, things are good. We're safe. We're fine. But, I mean, life's never really like that. And, and you find out that's yeah. truly not the case in this particular universe. Yeah. I mean, it's not as bad as, like, you know, it's not as bad as where they came from. But the idea that they're going to find a perfect place, like, idyllic nectar of ambrosia valley of the gods kind of place it's not going to happen there's um still issues with this world and while this place might be a bit more safe uh you know where they come from that's going to stay with them um what's happened to them that's going to stay with them and you know we still have teens and a young kid you know stranded in the middle of nowhere and things are going to get more complicated your three characters lexel finn and sarah um, have traded a series of complexities in their life for what they think may be a series of panaceas. And yet that's not the case at all. Well, they're in looking, the first, yeah. <laughs> they're, what they're looking for 
they've traded for they they've traded off for a series of much worse what end up being a series of much worse complications that they just haven't seen yet. Right. And in the first book, they're basically fleeing. Right. right? And if you are running from danger, you're just trying to get somewhere, somewhere safe, somewhere you can breathe. Um, and you're not really stopping and measuring like, should we go to point A or should we go to point B? It's really, what can we get to? And the second book has the, the, the joy of, yeah, they're still kind of fleeing stuff, but they also have a few moments here and there to weigh their options. They um, get a couple and, of minutes to yeah. take that deep breath, and then you introduce yeah. Yeah. something into that little triad, By and his, his name is Kalen. Ah, uh, yes. He is the <laughs> character. He's, he's just going to mess things up. <laughs> it's hard when you have, I mean, Cirrus Young, she's, you know, it, four or five years old so i mean her thought processes aren't the same as you know finn and 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 lexel and they form this bond um but what happens when you have two people that have that bond and you introduce a third person into it there's going to be dynamics good or bad but there's going to be dynamics there that change things when when you formed that first triad uh in the first book of of lexel finn and sarah um you formed a kind of, well, for good or bad, a, a family bond, a very young family bond, where uh, Finn and Lexel took a, a, a very young mother-father role to take care of Sarah uh, because they had to. And they <clears throat> formed this familial bond And over time, and through the first part of the book, that grew, the first part of book two, that grew. And then Kaylin comes along, and then things got so complex. <laughs> it's like a love triangle caught in a friendship triangle, caught in a family triangle, caught in some sort of square. Um, but well, and, and you're right. They, they, there is this family or this family bond. Um, but we're, we'll still back to that idea of necessity, right? They became a family out of necessity. Absolutely. But yeah. Are two teens really the best parents for a, a kid? Uh, you know, that question comes up, but on the other hand, they're the only family she knows at this point. Right. And and I mean you know there's there's the whole um, there's you you time and time again throughout this second book more more than in the first book bring out the the lesson of necessity bringing you through. Uh, decision-making process and yes. Lexel for one has has to time and time again uh her decisions are based on the necessity of the moment and they force her to grow very quickly 
Yes. In fact, they force her to grow much yeah. more than Finn and Caitlin do. <laughs> yeah, her character arc is like a straight vertical line. Just, but I mean, there's, but the, you know, what's added in is that necessity of what she needs to do in the moment to survive. And then there's also that necessity of what she needs to do in order to settle her conscience. That's a big thread of, I mean, she's reached a place where it's not perfect and there's definitely dangers, but she's not a slave at this point. And, and, and that was really the only goal of the first book is to not be in danger and not be a slave. But staying with her is the fact that her safety, her relative safety is at the expense of others. And she can't, that's not something she can live with. When when you uh, originally put Lexi's Lexel's character together, now she's made some significant changes throughout the first book and throughout the second book. Is this something that was planned, or did it grow, or did it mature as you wrote her? All. All three. That's she's not a, fair. That's <laughs> not fair. <laughs> she's so she's so interesting. I call her the anti Katniss. If you've ever read The Hunger Games, Katniss yep. is a super Absolutely. strong individual who has many talents and knows her strengths. Lexel doesn't have any of that. She has talents, but they're not necessarily ones that she's aware of or that other people would say, like, that's your talent. Like Katniss is like you are good at archery. She's like, I know that. And people around her know that. Lexel's talent is she's very nurturing. She's sensitive to other people's needs. And, and she can kind of go with the flow of a lot of stuff that other people wouldn't be able to handle. But those aren't things that you can always pinpoint. Those are interior traits. They're not exterior, like, look at me, throw this basketball. And so she's not as aware of them. And then in some of the situations she's in, it's harder to see the value of them. But as the first book goes on, um, she does things she never knew she could do. She she has to, and she finds that strength. And so she comes into book two with a little bit more confidence, a little bit more like, hey, I'm not, I have different skills than other people, but I have some. And I've seen enough, she's seen enough that she has to now act as much out of necessity as that inner conscience that I can't live like this or I can't live with this. And she pushes instead of, you know, the people around her kind of pushing her into stuff. She starts to push other people into stuff and say, this is what we need to do. And she starts to stand up for herself a bit more. When, when we saw her in book one she seemed very unassuming when we saw her in book two she started out that way as well she's um she's described a lot in the first book as docile which is something you want in a slave but maybe not a person and and that word gets tossed around a lot. And she's like, am I docile? Am I not? Um, and, and, you know, by the end, she's kind of like, yeah, yeah, I'm not docile. I got some strength in me. But back, uh, book two, she kind of has that step back for a moment and has to kind of remember 
all the kind of the strength and the power that she gained. You know, you get a good night's sleep and you have a lot more strength and stuff, but you also are not, you don't have that adrenaline pushing you anymore. So there's a bit more doubt. So kind of like a little cha-cha, two steps forward and one step back. Unless it's one step forward and two steps back. I've never danced the cha-cha. <laughs> me, me neither. I, so you see, you're good. <laughs> I'm not a dancer. I'm totally not a dancer. So when one you, of the things. Oh, go ahead. The, oh, okay. Because well, one of the things we actually discussed last time you were in, that was back in October, was this concept of the unclaimed cities. And you kind of teased me a little bit. And I don't remember if this was on the air or off the air after we went off the air. But because one of the things I discussed with you was this concept of I really wanted to know at the end of book one, what was it? Because we never really got to see. We know they made it to them, but we never got to see them. We never got to really experience what the unclaimed cities are. And I don't know about the main characters, you know, Finn and Lexel and Sierra. But for me. It would be, and it's interesting. It's like for me, I built these things up in my head to be almost like these golden cities on the hill, you know, in the on the horizon that they were heading for. But as you get closer, you realize they're not quite what you imagine. You imagine because when we get to them at the beginning of this first book, you know, second book. Sorry, second book. Thank you. That's what I. That's what I said. Not really. Um, <laughs> It is that we we find out that, you know, these this paradise for reborns has its own problems, has its own issues. And. I would just I'm just curious because I know that, you know, you teased me a little bit. You said, oh, you'll find out what, what it's like in these uh, these cities. And now I know now I know what you were kind of, you know, hinting at. What made you decide to go this way where these are not these are this is not a perfect place, you know, and 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 the decisions you made on how to build these out, because these cities have some serious problems, you know, with, you know, not having enough people and a lot of these issues they're dealing with. So where did these come from? I guess my big question, because this really interested me because I remember our discussion and it's like. Hmm, so this is what she meant. And I do remember that. Now that you described it, you were asking about the unclaimed cities, and I was like, uh, hmm, yep, there's stuff. Can't tell you. And and that's the joy of, you know, you're often marketing a book and you've either have written the next one or you've planned it out. Like the third one, I've already written and it's in the editing phases. So like I have that advantage as an author, but it is hard when reborn was such a success. And yeah, there's just like, they arrive in the unclaimed cities. Uh, we don't know anything about it. And people then have two years to imagine it in their heads. And there's a bit of a risk as an author when you're like, well, I got to explain what it looks like. And there's no way I can fit everyone's imaginings. They're like, I might get two people's, but it is, it's that, idyllic setting that golden paradise but that idea that nothing's perfect it, it's a double-edged sword in that okay we've got this safe haven that's far far away from Anstator and all the slavery and no one can get here and by that 
uh-oh, we have this isolated place far, far away from all the resources and all the people, and no one can get here. Eh. It is both a gift and a blessing and a curse, and that's just true to so many things in life. <laughs> oh, yes, definitely. Yeah, it's just it was such an interesting twist because I really was one of those people that in my head I kind of imagined, you know, a bustling city, its own society that didn't need the quote unquote rest of the of this world you've created. And it's not even the case. And I think that was a fabulous way to start the book is to literally, you know, because, you know, you didn't actually tell anybody. You didn't really gave in any hints. If I remember correctly how the last book ended, we just know we crossed the river and uh, the three of them were, were in safety in the uh, land of the, you know, unclaimed cities. But you did nothing to describe it. So a lot of that buildup is just our own desire to want to, you know, put these people in a better place. And I just think it was just brilliant in the first book, the way you kind of you let us all as readers build it up in our own heads just to, you know, go whoops, and here's the carpet out from underneath you when you go to, you know, tell them that, you know, it isn't as perfect as, as you know, it's better than what they left, but it's not perfect either. Exactly. It is better than what they left, but there's still some issues here. And if, But if it was perfect, then that would probably end the series, right? There oh, would yeah, be exactly. After to, unless, like, Lexel's conscience would have had to be so strong, like, and it is, but it would have had to overpower like hunger and everything. Like, and so the the series would have really ended there. Yeah, and it's definitely, and I agree. But it, it's funny because one of the other things I think we talked about was the idea of the wisps. You know, these these memories of the past, and even if you know we had entered into a golden city and it had been perfect, I think. There's still a part of me, and it's and, I, and this is part of what I like, is you are slowly giving us, you know, while you build these characters, and you've done a good job of building these characters up through these two books, the amount of information you've provided us as the Wisps, you're just, you know, handing it out in teaspoons, going, here's a little bit more about what the Wisps are. Here's a little, you just kind of keep, you know, give us a little bit of slack, pull us in. I'm going to throw in fishing analogies and a bunch of other stuff, you know, what the heck. <laughs> But you know what I mean? It's like you're 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 trying to, you know, give it to us in small amounts so that we can't keep wanting more. You know, you give us just enough so that we want to know more. Like and oh shoot, I forgot to write her name down. The lady in the hut. In and you help me out here. What was her name? The one that they met on the way out and then they meet on the way back. Oh, now I'm blanking. Mal, uh, the elder. Ma. Yeah. Mala? Yeah. The, Mala, the one with the great, I just, I, I want to call her, like, she's got the Yoda way of talking, only because yeah. it's just, it, it's so tweaked. But we begin to realize why she does this. And this was, again, you giving us another teaspoon of it saying, well, she talks like this because she can hear the whisper. And I love that there, she has this, I'm going to reference another, like the, the line from the Marvel, the first Avengers movie where, you know, the Bruce Banner's looking at the team, the team says, aren't you going to get mad? And he says, my secret is I'm always mad or I'm always angry, whatever the quote was. And there's a similar quote that comes out of her that I'm like, oh my Lord, that's brilliant. And I don't want to give that one away because I want people to actually read it and get this. But she has this moment where she explains to everyone, 
you know, a, a great truth about the Wisps. And I'm like, oh, that is just brilliant. I love it. Well, and these people have not lived with the slavery and the oppression. So their interpretation of Wisps, you know, versus everyone else way back in Anstator is going to be vastly different. There is a giant, the wastelands are huge and dangerous and not many people cross them. And it's dividing these people. I mean, it's, you know, think about how language evolves across continents and things vastly different. And yet some same roots and same threads of continuity. To me, there are, there are points throughout this book, uh, the second book, where I sit there and I just kind of scratch my bald head and go, why is this happening? And and I'm caught and I'm stuck. And I think to myself, why is Jenna doing this? <laughs> and I think to myself, seriously. And one of them is very, very early on in the book, in book two. And it's the scene with the Willick bracelet. Oh, yeah. And. The payoff for that is about 150 pages later. <laughs> Got to hold your cards tight to your chest and then wait. Okay. <laughs> now, and and the payoff for that is is a sociological lesson, and it's a, a Kalen being a schmuck lesson, uh, <laughs> and it's why I, and it, it's a Kalen. And Finn having a slap fight lesson. It's it's a it's a hundred different things, all coalescing into one at the same time, and I just go, nice. I'm uh, really excited to as people you know buy the book and read the book what their feelings are or what their interpretations are of Caitlin, because he's a very different character. And will they love him? Will they hate them? Will they love to hate him or hate to love him? Or I, I okay, I just gave you my assessment okay. right there. He's a schmuck. <laughs> <laughs> I really, really just want to grab him by the neck, slap him around, tell him to grow up, go back to his father, learn a trade. <laughs> and that's how He's, Finn feels most of the book. <laughs> and Finn needs to choose what the hell he wants to do with his life <laughs> oh god these two are just two boys who don't want to grow up well they're still boys that's just it i mean as as jenna said you know they're still boys they're still in their early teens you know they've, they've had a lot of responsibility shoved on their shoulders in finn's case he's a dad you know without you know all the other stuff that usually comes like you know, the birth of a baby and all that sort of stuff. He's, he now has a, has a daughter in Sierra. You know, it's, it, he, they both in their, their own ways have had certain responsibilities thrust upon them due to their situation. So, you know, it's not exactly a surprise and, that, you know. And Kaylin's in love without knowing what it means, without having any of the responsibilities or knowing any of the necessities of being involved like that. And thinks I can just walk in and do what I please. And no, he can't. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. 
See, and I knew that he would inspire this passion, either passionate frustration. Like he, he reminds me of when I was a kid and I read Lord of the Rings and I was yelling at Pippin. I was like, don't you do it. Don't you do it. And then he did it. And I threw the book and (laughs) (laughs) yes, absolutely. And that's, and you still love love Pippin, but you're like, you're, what are you doing? And uh, yeah, I had that feeling that he would inspire passion in some frustration or anger or love or whatever it is. But I knew people will will definitely be thinking about him and talking about him and maybe wanting to poke him really hard. And by the way, I offline, <laughs> when we're done, I want to talk to you. And I, I, I encourage everybody who reads this book to pay particular attention to the community and how the community deals with their court system. That was a particularly brilliant piece of work that I just loved. We could could do a political science course on that chapter. (laughs) Absolutely. It was it was just well thought out, well scripted, a lovely piece of work. And I thought um, when it was over and somebody tried to say, well, well I wanted to say, was and, and you went, no, 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 no. We're done. We're done. You can't say another thing about it. And that person was just crestfallen. It was one of wonderful. It's one of the few times I've cried writing stuff. And I have killed off characters. I have tortured characters. Uh, but that. Well, there scene, was torture there. There was absolute yeah, torture it, there. The psychological kind. But mm-hmm. like, I wrote it and then I just like went and sat in the bathroom for a while. I was like, oh, that was <laughs> worse than if like they, oh, you'd almost, and without giving too much away, you'd almost wish there was a more traditional punishment. Like, it would have been less emotionally eviscerating (laughs) there's about five or six pages of this court scene uh that should be required reading for social science um it reminded me in some ways of um uh like an amish kind of thing and i'm not sure why just kind of did uh, but it was just in reading it, it was just one of those political science kind of deals where you just kind of went, yeah, OK, I get this one. This is uh, really well done. Really, I wish I knew where the inspiration came from it. I, I can't pinpoint it, but. I knew I, it had to be different. It wouldn't be, you know, their their court, their trial, how they deal with offenses. It wouldn't be the same as anything that many of us are familiar with. I had to think of something very unique. So thank you. I'm glad I pulled it off. I'm thinking you did. <laughs> I'm thinking you really did, Jenna. It's uh. It's an interesting book. Now, you know, the 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 Chinese curses may live in interesting times. 
<laughs> I think I think a, a an appropriate Chinese parallel may be may you write an interesting book. Oh yeah. Which I think you've done here. Um, there are enough interesting parts to book two. And the name of the book is Renew. I would suggest to our audience uh, that you don't go into this without reading book one. Makes no sense. You need to have the background of, of book one to understand what's going on in book two, to, to the characters, to the story, to the to the to the world, to the world that she's built, and to understand the world that is being built, the world that is being promulgated around Lexelfin and Sarah and now Kaylin as well. And uh, give yourself the chance to, to understand what Jenna Green has done here. Uh, it's well worth the time. It's well worth the effort. It's well worth the read. Uh, and I can't thank Jennifer joining us tonight because it's it's a fun read. It's an interesting read. It's a different read than what you're used to. She keeps claiming this is a young adult series and I keep saying to her, I don't know. I'm not sure that it is. Jenna, thank you so much for joining us again tonight. Thank you for having me. You're always so flattering. It's very, it's very nice. Thank you. And book three is done. It's in the editing. Uh, yeah. And uh, so I guess that means uh, we'll probably be hearing from you again. Yeah, probably about a year. <laughs> we'll be back here again. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of Granite Con, Plastic City Comic Con, and the Upper Valley Comic Expo. We are also sponsored by Dreamforge Magazine, a superb magazine of fantasy and science fiction, and Comic Art House. Visit Comic Art House for some of the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. And if you're looking for a really great gift book for that rapidly approaching semi-annual Fairbanks Melt Day celebration, consider a look at Sci-Fi Saturday Night's first anthology, My Peculiar Family, now on Amazon and barnesandnoble.com. My Peculiar Family, the audiobook, is available on Audible, because I'm not sure where else you could find it. Our intro production was provided by Rob Watts. For more of his amazing stuff, just look at robwattsonline.com. And don't forget to try the Watts sauce we have, we love it. Our outro was provided by Lawrence Made Me Cry. You can find Lawrence Made Me Cry's music on Bandcamp. And a whole lot of love to Jojo and Celine. Many thanks to the gang from his booking books. Thank you, Captain Cam. This is Dome saying, Terry and Jeannie shared pain as lessons, shared joy increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Better things are coming, Stacy. Stay strong, Liz. So... Unless it's daytime. Good night, everybody. That sounds good.
good. That sounds perfect.